This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Thank you very much for being here with me. Great to have you, as always. Um, I appreciate very much getting a chance to hang out with you today. It is a snowy day here in New York City. It is uh, the middle of a blizzard. We're in the middle of a storm. And it is the, well, you can always tell when the East Coast has rough weather, it dominates the news cycle for quite a while. So that's what's going to happen the next 24 hours or so. We can expect that there will be um, lots of stories about the snow. Um, and you'll also see this sort of continued back and forth over Jeff Sessions and um, the Elizabeth Warren she persisted uh, that that became a meme i just discovered that last night that elizabeth warren hanging out and uh making a mockery of senate rules and then being told that she has to stand down and she can't attack jeff sessions using the words of someone else hiding behind the words of someone else um that was the big news story yesterday i i have to say because i'm always honest with you about everything uh it's just been a slow news week that's really the truth of it uh, I wake up in the morning after spending usually well into the night uh, researching and looking uh, looking at different stories and doing different uh, uh, you know polls of of background information on stuff. Uh, there's just not a whole lot that's been going on this week of tremendous interest to the news media, other than the Trump tweets here and there. I don't know if they're ever going to get bored of that. I think that there's a possibility. Um, there's a possibility that we're just going to continue to see wall-to-wall coverage of uh, Trump tweets. And we'll have to get a sense, I think, in the next few days as to whether this criticism that I was trying to avoid yesterday, I was trying to be a little patient uh, about how Trump hasn't given us the tax cuts and Obamacare is on the back burner now, because it's only been three weeks and already you have seen some pretty key executive orders. You haven't seen much of an outline from the Congress as to what their plan is going to be. But I would wonder, and this is this is a, a thought experiment. I haven't actually done the research. I was thinking about it this morning as I was walking to get coffee in this blizzard in New York City. Us East Coast people, when there's a blizzard, we like to complain about it. I'm sure people listening in Minnesota and Alaska are like, you call that a blizzard? It's a couple of flurries. When I was walking, I was thinking to myself, I'm sure if we were to go back and look at this same time period um, with, the, with the beginning of the Obama administration, there would be a focus on 
what not just what the administration is doing. And see, this is where you start to see the magic of the information operations and the perception management that goes on with the uh, liberal media. You'd see a lot of stories that would put into people's minds that there are certain issues that need to be addressed right away. You know, in in advance of Obamacare, there would just be general news stories about people who are kicked off their health care or they can't get health care for pre-existing conditions. There'd be general news stories about any major agenda item that the Democrats would want to see the administration tackle because it's get it's sort of priming the pump. It's getting it ready. It's preparing the ground, laying the groundwork for what is to come. With the Trump administration, what you see is a fixation on minutia constantly. Uh, sure, there's there's been the executive order on immigration, and, and this has been treated like it's a, a tremendous issue that affects all Americans. And the reality is it doesn't. And it, to me, from a, a plain reading of the statute, the executive order is plainly constitutionally sound. And do I think it's great policy? I mean, the, part of the problem of counterterrorism policy is that every time you do something, someone can say, well, that wouldn't have stopped this attack or that will have this uh, counterbalancing effect. You know, the, the, if you do this, you're going to upset this group. If you do that, you're going to have a problem with this. Uh, and that's with everything, really. Whether we're talking about surveillance of terrorists uh, in the homeland or we're talking about drone strikes, whatever the issue may be, you're going to upset some people. I also think it's fascinating that the massive uh, bureaucracy of Immigration and Customs Enforcement and our Byzantine rules for legal immigrants, at least, to get here, uh, we, we assume that this, is, that this is all the way it's supposed when they want to, at least, they assume, because on other issues, of course, they just ignore the, the law entirely, but they assume that these laws are uh, they're, they're sacred, and, and the time periods and the horizons for how long it takes for someone to come here, this is all... This should be unchangeable, at least unchangeable by a Republican president, when it's in their favor. You know, one thing that's fascinating to watch it watch play out is the pretense among many people, including journalists out there that I follow and read, despite the fact that I disagree with them on everything, but I'd like to know what's going on. I'd like to know what the the big fancy journalists with the big fat paychecks and the huge platforms, what they're spouting and what they're... Uh, Masters in the media are telling them they have to say, you know, the people that run the various networks and, and all the rest of it. And uh, one thing that I see continuously happening with all of them now is that they don't want to come forward and admit that this new this constitutional love that they have is completely newfound. This idea that they want a limited government, that they want restraints on the executive branch, that they are concerned about how powerful the executive branch has become. That's all new stuff for them. It just sprang up out of nowhere. Sort of like Ivanka having her clothing lines dropped by major department stores. That just, it's just the market, man. It just happened. Sure it did. But now you have these new constitutionalists out there and they will apply the law where they see fit, and they will disregard it. And what you see is, and by doing that, they're actually undermining the Constitution more than if they just rejected it outright, I think. Because if they were open about their rejection of the Constitution as a limiting document for their preferred forms of, of government, and 
if they're open about it, at least then the American people could make informed decisions about what the Democrats really think, how they really feel, and, and how the media, which is an extension of the Democrat Party, or maybe the Democrat Party is an extension of the media. I know people go back and forth on that. Um, but that's our reality right now. They pretend to care about the Constitution, and they want to use it to constrain uh, the Trump administration. What's funny to me is that all the conservatives and Republicans that I know, for almost to a person, wouldn't go along with any of these horrible things that the left thinks Trump is going to do that would be quasi-fascism and, and would be uh, far too much for the executive branch to do. Uh, but we have the disadvantage of principles. And that's really what, what it comes down to. If you have beliefs that you will stick to that are more important than short-term political wins, if you think that there's something more foundational to our society and to our day-to-day -day life than just having your guy or your gal be the one making the decisions and, and the one with the power, that's, an, that's a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage that we freely accept because of obviously the, the calculus that's made here is that some things are more important than uh, short-term political gain. But it, it does seem to me more and more that there's just a, a complete uh, and open hypocrisy you know, on the left, you have open hypocrisy. On the right, you, they say we have a disavowal of of truth or of facts. Uh, we even had what was it last week? Alternative facts coming out as a as another meme. And I, I start to wonder also how much these memes and when I talk to you about all of this, these various hashtags and the stuff that pops up when we're all reading our you know, reading on our screens or in the newspaper, mostly on our screens. Uh, if this is just thing, if these are things that people in the media are fascinated with, and no one else really cares all that much, I, I start to think that that may be uh, that may be the case more and more. Um, and I also start to think that there that there must be a, there might be a future where people just decide to disconnect from social media en masse. I, I think that's I'm, I think we may be heading there, where everyone realizes that it's it's not really worth the trade off to just be constantly sharing every, even if you're not a public person. I mean, if you're a public person, you, you're signing up for it, right? I, I sign up for this, at least for now. Um, but if you're not a public person, and, or you know whether you are or not, I think it really is true for both, you recognize that you just become, like you're in the matrix without the superpowers. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not always fun to feel like you have to, con and there's so many people who embrace this so much, and I think unfortunately now, in a in professions journalism you know, news media that tend to oh, that, that that tend to award narcissism at some level reward narcissism at some level um, social media has made it even worse than ever right I mean we're all just it's just and and you can play the game or you can sit on the sidelines and whine and everyone's like oh why aren't you you know why aren't you snapchatting more oh maybe it's because you don't have enough snapchat followers you're just like okay fine so I've got to just spend my life uh, taking photos of things and trying to be witty in 140 characters or less and just go with it, you know, because cause. I feel like, well, for, especially for me, I'm doing five hours of radio day now. I feel like that's this is my interaction with all this is my social media. This is although don't stop tweeting at me. I love that. And and uh, also keep writing me on Facebook, of course. I'm just philosophically speaking here. Um, but anyway, the, the Democrats, the hypocrisy is out in the open, getting Buck back on track here for a moment. The hypocrisy is out in the open. I don't think they care. And we've reached a point now 
where they point they they point at what they say are are lies or untruths or mistruths and claim that that is representative of the whole. And we point at them and say, well, you only care about the truth or facts now you didn't before. You only care about the Constitution now you didn't before. So you have no credibility on any of this. I also have to stop and wonder for a moment. I'm, I mean, I'm sort of a contemplative mood this morning. Maybe it's because the city's blanketed with snow. It's so beautifully quiet on the streets when there's this much snow. In a lot of in a lot of ways, I I think it's I think it's great. Um, this is the first day in weeks where there has not been uh, a a chorus, a symphony of jackhammers right outside my window during the uh, the noon show. Um, this is the first time in weeks that I haven't had just the loudest noise imaginable. But also, you just you can't people's voices carry in the city and the honking on the street. There's so few cars in the road. It's so beautiful and peaceful in a major city when there's this kind of snow. I know that the people are like, oh, Buck, but what about all the flights that are canceled? I'm not saying that everything is good. I'm just pointing out that it's nice and quiet. And more and more, I, I start to find that I, I value peace and silence <laughs> with each passing year. Peace and silence, uh, except for radio, because that's awesome, because that's intimate you get to hang out with people you're with your friends i'm i'm hanging out now with my friends is what it feels like it's as though i'm well i am in a sense sitting in my living room because i am um, but it's like i'm sitting in my living room talking to all my favorite people and that's it's a blessing to have that as as your job that's for sure um i kind of lost the thread of where i was going on the mono today on the monologue but you got some you got some of the broad strokes i do think i'm going to go back and do some research today and maybe tonight on uh, but I got to come up with a with a name for this, right? So we have the noon show and the night show, I guess. Um, so during the night show, uh, six Eastern, AmericanNowRadio dot com is where you want to go. By the way, if you want to download that podcast from last night, if you missed it, go go to AmericanNowRadio dot com slash podcast. Uh, AmericanNowRadio dot com slash podcast. Uh, but I want to do some research into what the stories at this point, what what the week one, week two, February stories were like under Obama, that weren't explicitly political, but that were issue-based versus what they are now. I, I'm sure it, it's people have pointed this out with other things and they've done some research into how the problem of homelessness, this is a very famous one, homelessness becomes a huge issue when there's a Republican in office and it disappears at the national level like magic when there's a Democrat in office just because, right? Because people are looking, the, the news is a narrative, as you all understand, and people are always looking for ways to justify and support their view of the world around them, especially journalists who are the ones who construct this narrative. And so Republicans in office, that means that evil, heartless capitalists are running everything. That means there must be, it must be harder for poor people. I'm going to go do stories on homelessness now to show that. Democrats in office, oh no, Democrats care about poor people. So I'm not going to do stories on homelessness. I'm going to do stories on you know, the effectiveness of uh, anti-poverty programs in the inner city or something like that. I mean, anyway, you, you see what I mean. And right now, I think this past week, that they've just run a little dry on the anti-Trump oppo stuff. So they're just going after the tweets and everything else. But they've, they don't want to cover other things, really, other than how terrible Trump is and how bad his executive order is. And it's just not the... I, I think a lot of Americans see that executive order and say to themselves, this doesn't affect me at all. I, I don't really care all that much except as this plays out as a political issue. All right, I've realized we're going longer. Um, 888 team. Much more coming. I'll be right back. Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. 
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show. So, you know, here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You have um, the New York Times, the front page is Supreme Court. Now, this is our main story right now. Supreme Court nominee calls Trump's attacks on judiciary demoralizing. Um, Judge Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch, uh, President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court, privately expressed dismay on Wednesday over Mr. Trump's increasingly aggressive attacks on the judiciary, calling the president's criticism of independent judges demoralizing and disheartening. Uh, who cares? First of all, I'm as I said last night on the show, I'm in favor of um, Gorsuch saying whatever he has to say to keep Democrats off his back. You know, I, I think a little bit of playing the game here is probably a good idea. I don't really think that it's necessary for Gorsuch to have to sort of charge up the hill and uh, you know stand. First of all, he's he's being appointed by the Trump administration. Doesn't mean he has to agree with Trump on everything or anything, really. I don't I don't I don't care, but I just think this is fascinating because this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. What's the narrative? Trump is bad. Trump is destroying the world. Trump is the worst thing ever. And um, that's, you know, that's something that you can find stories for, I guess, anytime. So the fact that Gorsuch didn't like Trump criticizing judges, why can't Trump criticize judges? Obama criticized judges. I played some of that audio last night, too. That's this is nothing. This is nothing new. The, the president's not threatening any judges. I mean, he's not he's not crossing any lines. He's just saying he doesn't doesn't like these judges or doesn't like a judge's opinion. And I mean, whether you you can agree or disagree with his assessment, but this notion that judges are just beyond reproach or above reproach is just too much. It's nonsense. I don't know why anyone buys into it. Um, but the New York Times is going with it here again. This is the second or third largest newspaper in the country by circulation. I think it's definitely up there in the top three or four, and. Um, um, you know, it's, as you look at this now, this is, this is a great example. I'm going to try to pull more examples of this tonight. So be sure to tune in tonight as well. Uh, because this is just so obvious to me. This is the main news story in the country. This is it. This is what people want to read about, whether Gorsuch thinks that Trump, um, you know, that Trump is saying something about judges and Gorsuch doesn't like it. I mean, I, and I know I, I become part of the problem here because I'm like, Buck, if you say who cares, then why are you telling us about this? But the reality here is that this is every day, all the time. This is only interesting to you, whether you're a journalist or a person that's reading what journalists are writing. This is only interesting if you, if you think that Trump is, is on his way to being Mussolini, you know, maybe Hitler. This is only interesting to you if you just want to read bad things about Trump all the time. Who cares? 
there's nothing. Uh, this is a, I mean, they're writing about Trump's Twitter helpers. This is a private conversation that's then been spoken about to the press. And and this is just a, a prime example of what I mean here. So Gorsuch doesn't like it. I mean, he's a judge. He's going to stand shoulder to shoulder with his fellow judges. Great. I hope this guy gets in there. They, by the way, they're they're nice to Gorsuch today. Just wait until the confirmation hearing happens. And then all of a sudden, he, they're going to be just one version of another after uh, one version after another of, you know, when, when did you put away your KKK hood and when did you stop beating your wife? And it's just going to be appalling. Um, we want to finish up a little more about Elizabeth Warren. We can talk about that back in a few minutes, team. The Bug Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We're joined by David Harsanyi. He is a contributor to The Federalist. David, great to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so tell me a bit about your, your, what, what, what do you think of all the attention paid to Elizabeth Warren yesterday? I just wanted to, uh, my sense of it was, does, who cares about this other than people that love Elizabeth Warren, which is definitely a minority of the population? <laughs> sure. I mean, Listen, I'm of two minds here. I, do, I actually don't think uh, debate should be shut down. Uh, I, I say let them speak. And my first inclination was to say let Elizabeth Warren speak as much as she wants all the time. I think it's helpful for Republicans. But shutting her down has actually made her even, you know, a bigger, made her louder in a way. She's all over the place. Never has someone silenced been so loud and so so talkative, you know, in, in history. So I think Republicans win when Elizabeth Warren is the face of the Democratic Party. So I think that if they're making that happen, though, I doubt I doubt Republicans have it pulled together in that way. But if they do, that's a great plan, in my opinion. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren, what does she stand for? Because people always talk about her as a, a leading light of the progressive caucus in the Senate or whatever. She's a leading progressive leftist. What does she want? If Elizabeth Warren were president tomorrow, do we have some sense of how America would be different? I'm just curious what, you, what your sense of this is. I, I know this is like a thought experiment, but <laughs> what, how is America different if Elizabeth Warren's running the show? Weirdly, I or think. Or do we America just not know? Be, yeah, I mean, I actually think she's, she's sort of a bully as well. And I think that, um, you know, her anti-trade sort of, uh, you know, populist rhetoric uh, has something to do with what Donald Trump is talking about as well. But generally speaking, I think that you'd have someone who wants single-payer health care plans and basically, and, I, and I'm not throwing around this word, you know, as I often do. I, I mean it. I think that you'd have a socialist president. And, 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 you know, America would be very different and look very different, though I doubt she could get a lot done. I just don't think that we're there yet. I think that she's a good face for the Democratic Party or at least a sort of grassroots effort there. But I don't think that works in Ohio or Indiana or Pennsylvania. Not yet. So you don't think that she's really viable at, at the national level, but I don't. But when so I say much... that, everyone's like, that's what they said about Donald Trump, you know, and look, right. now you've got what you asked for. Well, well yeah. Just because, you know, people were wrong about one person doesn't mean they're wrong about every other person forever. I think Donald Trump has an appeal that a lot of people missed. 
I don't believe that Elizabeth Warren has an appeal that a lot of people are missing. I just don't. And maybe I'll be proven wrong again. Who knows? How do you think this whole EO thing, the executive order on immigration, is playing out uh, for the Trump administration at this point? I mean, what do you sort of uh, I'm asking for kind of like winners and losers on this one. We're all losers and winners. I think that, you know, someone asked me to grade Donald Trump recently, and I thought to myself, I'd give him an A-plus and an F-minus at the same time. You know, some of the stuff he does I love, and some of the stuff I think is a disaster. But I think people who are on Twitter and punditry and reporters don't realize that the world is a lot bigger than social media. So when they're talking about, for instance, the Muslim majority Muslim country travel ban, I saw stories calling it a disaster and, you know, all over the place. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the truth is that when you look at polling, a lot of people like the idea. So I think Donald Trump isn't doing as badly as perhaps people in the media believe he is. Yeah, I also think that there's a a part of this is the once again, the media, the opinion class and and the, the Democrat establishment and a lot of Republicans, too, especially the Republicans who were part of the the foreign policy establishment, they are just so up in arms and outraged over this issue of the executive order that most Americans, it doesn't affect them at all. And, and I, I think that this widens the gulf a little bit for a lot of people. They're like, well, this is we're supposed to get. So and look, I, I, I do think and I, and I was saying it immediately, there were some aspects of this. Well, that's just not smart policy. I think it's legal for the president to do it. I just don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good idea. But it's also not that big a deal, or, or, or at least I think to most Americans, it's just not that big a deal. And it's being made into something much more than than it is. Right. I mean, when, when people go right to 10 or 11 and start calling it, you know, calling the whole thing, you know, Hitler-esque and, and start talking about Nazis and stuff. Yeah, this is internment camps with FDR all over again, although they never throw right. FDR's name in there. But I mean, that's that's what people are making it sound like. Right. Right. Right away. You know, that right away they go there. Meanwhile, when you really look at this thing, it's it's far less than that. I agree. I think the green card holder part, at least, wasn't smart. I don't think they rolled it out. I think in, a, in the right way, I think they could have taken a little more time, vetted it, and done a much better job. But the idea that Barack Obama can, with a signature, uh, legalize millions of people in the United States, but Donald Trump can't take seven countries and temporarily uh, put a travel ban on, on immigration of refugee, you know, or refugees is kind of uh, amazingly hip, hypocritical of, of them to say. But moreover, I just don't think most Americans view it that way. I think they think the president should be able to dictate uh, to some extent our immigration policy and that there's nothing wrong with being careful when we have immigrants coming from countries that are a and you know in anarchy or b you know a place where terrorism uh, is known to come from I, I don't know how effective a ban like this would be but to call it to, to, to go over the top as they did it just diminishes any case they have for, you know for this or things to come because they're just it's just always yelling And I I feel like whether we're talking about the elimination of the filibuster for judicial nominees short of the Supreme Court or the extension of executive power from the White House and and executive overreach on on a lot of issues that received national level attention in the news cycle discussion at the kitchen table in a lot of homes across the country. There were these things that came up where people would say, well, you know, you, you may like this now, but when the Republicans are in power, you're going to hate this. 
and they, they they pretend that those discussions never happen now because <laughs> that's exactly where we are. And you mentioned Obama with, I mean, Obama, he of the pen and the phone. And if Congress doesn't act, I will. The overwhelming, uh, overwhelmingly powerful executive branch is it, it, it's just an extension of what's going on with Obama before. And, and you could argue this has been going on for much longer than that, obviously. But it, it, it can't have been. Awesome and cool 60 days ago on principle on, on principled grounds and terrible and Hitlerian now. And I, and I think that whiplash is just more than anything else, destroying the credibility of a lot of people that make a living trying to tell people what's going on. It's so hard to get past the hypocrisy sometimes of, of, of people complaining about executive power now, because in the end, they just care about the ends and what the policy is, not really the process itself, which is so important and, and so fundamental to how we're supposed to be running this country. You know, So the problem is, I might say, I'll go up and say, I am against weakening the filibuster at all. I don't care if it's a Republican or not. And then a, a Republican will say to me, well, Democrats are just going to blow it up anyway when they come back to power. Why should we be the ones who are idealistic about this? And it's sort of a cycle that just it corrodes the Constitution and it corrodes checks on power and balance in, in our government. And it's I think it's a tragedy waiting to happen because of, you know, Trump is not Hitler. But one day maybe there will be someone like Hitler or some kind of, you know, authoritarian, full blown authoritarian. And we're going to be in trouble because all of these uh, checks and balances have been completely corroded over time, and uh, I'm not I sure how bring, to fix that. I want to bring you back to we we're talk, talking about the debasing debasing of the discourse, which sounds like I'm being a little schoolmarmish over here or something. But there there is a, there is a whatever whatever we have to do to beat the other side, and and, and we can also discuss that this feels like it breaks down into a kind of political tribalism in a, in a way that people just it's like my side win your side lose it's like well why is that you know, that's that's not in and of itself right that's not necessarily a a goal that people should should have in this country just well my side wins and your side loses uh, but you mentioned uh, your feelings on Mitch McConnell shutting down see now I'm going to make us talk about Elizabeth Ward again Mitch McConnell shutting down rule 19 Marco Rubio gave the speech last night where he said look this in the Senate we have to we don't want to be like these countries where they're throwing chairs and fly kicks and elbows at each other in the, you know, in, in the well of their representative, you know, whatever their House of Representatives, their whether it's the the, the Duma, their Parliament. Uh, do you do you buy into that? I mean, it's because it sounds like you you don't like this rule, this this shutting down the discussion, um, and so. But wouldn't that mean then that the Elizabeth Warrens of the Senate could just get up and say whatever the heck they want about other members of the Senate? And is, oh. Isn't that kind of a bad thing? Or you don't you don't you don't buy that? Well, I. I, I... I wrote a column once, you know, advocating for bringing back dueling to bring civility back so that people won't say all <laughs> wow. the crazy things they say. Yeah, you know, I mean, you have to I'm going to have Amy pull that one for me. I got I got to read that one. All right, cool. Yes, it's called bring back dueling. But um, listen, I think that when you're in the Senate, there have to be some rules of decorum, like uh, you can't spit at the other person or call them, you know, uh, you know, just start yelling at them or call them names, you know, but I think that reading a letter uh, that was a legitimate part of a debate in 1986 about the person who, you know, is going to be the attorney general is within the legitimate bounds of of debate within the Senate or should be. I just think it's so arbitrary and that that whoever's leading the Senate can use it whenever they feel like, basically. Um, I'm not sure why senators need to be, uh, you know, uh, insulated from some some rough debate. It seems kind of ridiculous. So, 
I don't know. I feel, you know, I, I'm of two minds of it. You can't just have a free-for-all over there, even though one of the, some of those Taiwanese fight, you know, free-for-all brawls they have are pretty fun to watch. But, um, no, I don't want that. But, you know, this seemed like – I don't know why. I mean, it didn't make any sense. If you really want to shut Elizabeth Warren down, uh, this gave her far bigger platform than she would have had before. It, it, no one would even have known what she was doing if you didn't shut her up with Rule 17 or whatever it was called. David Harsani is a contributor to The Federalist. Read his latest at thefederalist.com. Uh, anything else you want to direct people to, David? I'm on Twitter at David Harsani. Is, is the nice. other place you can catch me? Yeah. All right. You're, you're not in the. You're not caught up in this crazy storm, right? Are, 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 where are you? You're in like Denver or something? Where are you? No, nah, I'm in. I'm in D.C. now. No. It's, oh, you're it's, DC a guy. Bit. Okay. Yeah, I did live in Denver for a long time, so I'm always interested in seeing how people freak out over a, you know a few inches of snow. You're in New York, right? Well, in D.C., so. because the, working for the federal government is like being in being in kindergarten. You still get snow days, so people get really excited about the it. Real snowflakes over here. Yeah, everything shuts down if they see any snow. Yeah, um, and if you try to get on the roads, everyone's driving 10 miles an hour as, as though the snow is is going to go through the windshield of their car and attack them. It's pretty It's pretty funny. I remember it. It was. Yeah, it was uh, it's not funny terrible. when you're stuck in it because you go really slowly. But <laughs> you're always well, stuck. Stay That's safe. Right, yeah. Stay out of the snow. And, uh, and thank you for joining us, David. Always good to have you on. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Uh, team, phone lines are open. 888-900-3393. We will be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Team sponsor this half uh, this hour is uh, silencershop.com. You know the place to go for a silencer. This the simply the best option for your firearm uh, is to go to silencershop.com. You just go check it out. They have all of the testimonials, all the information you need there. Uh, you can check out their selection, see what they've got, and you make your choice. And then you can go through the process, getting the paperwork done. And at the end of it all, you'll have a silencer, which is always a cool accessory to make you really. Uh, Enjoy yourself out at the range more. You'll see it helps with hearing protection. It can help with accuracy. It looks cool. And once you've started firing with a silencer, you're going to be like, wow, I wish I'd been doing this all along. If you've already got one, well, you can go to silencershop.com and get yourself another one. So silencershop.com is a place to go. Help make the world a quieter place. Silencershop.com. Speaking of lawlessness and, and intermittent or inconsistent respect for the law and the Constitution, uh, it's fascinating to me that this pro this series of protests, including by the way, b- blocking traffic, is not a protest. It's a crime. Uh, we need to stop referring to blocking traffic as something that you're allowed to do. Uh, it, it's not. It is not okay. Um, you know, this is like: am, am I allowed to go into a, a big office building and press the emergency alarm, the, the emergency alarm on all the different elevators so that they don't move, and just say, "Well, you know, I'm just." I'm just not letting I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just not letting people move. Well, if you're stuck in a car, you can't go anywhere. So when blocking traffic is, is not something that we should be explaining away as just people exercising their First Amendment rights. It's illegal. It's wrong. Uh, but there's this protesters. Uh, there are these protesters down in Phoenix um, because this woman may be deported. Uh, I, I'm going to have to return to this and, and get maybe more into this in the next in the next hour. But this is a very specific thing. Um 
Um, this is a very specific, uh, you know, form of uh, disobedience that's going on here. Because immigration law, I mean, illegal immigrants and people who are here illegally just think that this is a law that they can, that can be ignored, that these laws just can be ignored, um, that, you know, this is something that is a, is a pick, is a la carte. You know, you can pick it as you like. You don't have to actually go along with all of immigration law. Some of it, immigration law that, that protects people who are here illegally or immigration laws that are favorable to people who are here illegally, those are great, but the ones that say that you got to go, um, th that's a problem. I mean, first of all, every, anyone who's here legally <laughs> under the law is not supposed to be here, so that's doesn't even really make sense. But you know what I mean, the, the processes that are in place that make it harder for someone to be deported or the enforcement priorities, we're always hearing about that. Uh, but there, there is really no respect on the left for the law as something that is independent of uh, politics. It, it just doesn't exist. There is nothing on the left that... Um, pushes them to respect the legal order of things without there being uh, without there being some political benefit to them at the end of it. And that's disheartening to see. It's it's, it's widespread. It's something that is um, very true when you look at the way that this continues to play out. And the again, hypocrisy, if if inaccuracy is the uh, great problem of the Trump administration so far. Some would say it's Trump lying, but I would say inaccuracy is a problem. Um, hypocrisy is the crippling problem that faces the anti-Trump opposition and the left because they're not adhering to principles on any of this stuff. So anyway, team, much more coming up. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, 